The following guided meditation was given at Common Ground Meditation Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And it is good for us to take these opening few minutes to just to use our imagination in a wholesome way to imagine that we're part of a community and part of a lineage of human beings that have the good fortune to have some space in their lives to be more reflective, not completely overwhelmed by survival and safety issues. So we have this good fortune to be reflective. And in a, in a way, <clears throat> because we have this good fortune, we can listen, we can receive the cumulative practical wisdom of our ancestors. And especially at this time where information is more widely available than previous generations, it really isn't, you know, an exaggeration to say that we can access the most useful, hard-won human common sense, right? We don't have to make the same mistakes that humans tend to make over and over again acting out or more, I'm not sure what the correct word would be, but just sort of that instinct to survive at all costs, let's call it that, which, you know, may buy us some more time in this body, but can lead to just tremendous stress for ourselves and everybody around us if we're living with that kind of fear and that kind of greed living for our own sort of well-being or our own concern alone. So settle in for our sitting time. And since the beginning of the year, we've been using the first few minutes to do a reflection, this traditional reflection on the refuges and precepts. And as many of you know, it's a formal recitation of taking refuge in the Buddha, Dhamma, Sangha, and then reciting the five precepts, which are just ways of deeply valuing non-harming. But instead of doing the traditional recitation, I've just been going through a reflection out loud so that over time, for those of you who are new, but for sure for those of you who've been around for a while, you want to feel empowered to do this reflection in a meaningful way. In other words... How might I put aside some time when I get up in the morning to bring to mind what is, in fact, a refuge for me? What do I trust putting my heart on? What understanding, what way of being do I trust? And so traditionally, as someone interested in the teachings of the Buddha, we frame it as Buddha, taking refuge in Buddha, Dhamma, Sangha. These three words, they represent, Buddha represents being awake, being open, really relying on the inherent sensitivity of our heart and mind to see clearly, to feel deeply. And what does this Buddha wake up to? It wakes up to the way it is, this churning, flowing of causes and conditions, our experiences 
our circumstances, internal, external, what we're thinking, what we're seeing, the touches we're feeling. So Buddha wakes up to Dhamma. We could call that being intimate, being clearly aware of the way it is. And that allows for the third refuge of Sangha, so that our activity, the choices we make, the way we think, the way we speak, it comes out of the intimacy, trusting that intimacy of Buddha, waking up, being aware of Dhamma, the way it is. And the more we trust these three refuges, the more we value, deeply value non-harming. Not as a kind of oppressive should, I should be a good person, I shouldn't cheat, I shouldn't do things that cause harm. It's really a direct, probably the most direct way to feel good as a human being is to commit to this non-harming. Dana and Sila, right? The Buddha made a big deal. Like his basic response to people who didn't have a lot of spiritual inclination, they were human beings who just wanted to feel better in life, he would tell them to practice to develop dana and sila. The practice of giving and the practice of, you know, I'll put it in a more provocative way, moral restraint. But it's like uh, today I'm going to talk about letting go or giving up as sort of the real foundation of the path the Buddha taught, like how to give up and the value giving up. So, Moral restraint is just one more obvious way of giving up. We're giving up simply acting out the biggest habit energy that's been triggered. And we're able to restrain ourselves. Like, I wish I had restrained myself. I wasn't terrible. But recently, I heard myself saying something that I'm not really sure was the right thing to say or the right way to say it or with the right tone of voice in the way that I said it, right? And so there was something left over, some remorse and concern after having said what I said. And the power of restraint is like, and I I was sort of aware of the impulse to speak and had the force of restraint been stronger, that wisdom of restraint. This is sila, this is that Pali word for the happiness of restraint, the liberation of restraint. It's like a superpower. I don't have to act out every impulse that I have because I have the superpower of restraint. I can feel the impulse to say something and I can be with that feeling, what it feels like to want to say something. And because I can be with that impulse to speak, I have this pause to reflect on whether it's a useful thing to say or not. So restraint doesn't mean that I'm not going to say something. It just means that I have this capacity, this freedom to be with the impulse, to feel it, to be relaxed. So then in that space, the mind or wisdom can assess. I wonder what this saying this might set in motion in my heart and the world around me. Is it a useful thing? Might there be a better something to say. Maybe if I pause for a few more seconds, there'll be more information about what's playing out right now 
I might get clearer, for example, about my own triggering, my own activation, so that what I'm saying isn't just my a result of my not wanting to feel what it feels like to be activated. Maybe I can make peace with that activation. And then the words I'm about to speak aren't a way of me masking the pain of my activation. But actually, my words can be more an act of generosity, an act of healing, like saying something that's a gift or that's in the service of healing. Not that we'll always get it right, but at least the motivation will be in that direction. So it's really important that this um, formal taking of the five precepts, I undertake the training to refrain from harming and killing living beings. I undertake the training to refrain from taking what hasn't been freely given. I undertake the training to refrain from sexual misconduct, causing harm with our sexuality to ourselves or to others. I undertake the training to refrain from using words in ways that cause harm. And we could add to that around wise speech, like causing harm by not saying what needs to be said and causing harm by saying something that didn't need to be said, didn't need to be said at that time, didn't need to be said in that way. Partial truth, not the whole truth. Or maybe it was true, but it was really meant to kind of cause some harm. And the last, the fifth, is I undertake the training to refrain from intoxicating the mind in ways that make me careless, more likely to cause harm, to act out in ways that cause harm to myself and others. And somehow to, you know, when we recite, when we bring up these five precepts, to really frame it as a joyful letting go. The, the power of restraint means I can let go of acting out habits, um, tendencies that have been triggered just through my engagement in life, exposure. Lots of habit energies are going to get triggered all the time. And to be able to move through life with this power of restraint. And again, it isn't about freezing up. It isn't about participating. It isn't about speaking loudly. It's about having options so that because of restraint, you know, I can feel what's moving in my heart because I'm not immediately acting it out. And that's how we taste what's in that pause. We taste what's moving in my heart, like the impulse to say something or do something. And in that sort of tasting the flavor of the impulse, we get a sense, you know what, it's really coming out of hatred. Or, no, it's really coming out of wanting to clarify the truth, wanting to take care of everybody. It needs to be said. And it's not that we will ever have perfect clarity, but we're, we're moving in the direction of more clarity when we have moral restraint, sila. And that's really what these five trainings, the five precepts are all about. We're building in the power of restraint and we're learning to really value it, like that kind of protection for ourselves and others. It makes us feel good about ourselves, like in a very basic way. This, uh, sometimes in the tradition, it's called the bliss of non-remorse, the bliss of blamelessness. Good, so let's just settle in for our sitting time now.
few easy deep breaths, make adjustments if you need, and then we'll do our best to settle in to a relative stillness in the body. Eventually allow the breathing to continue on its own. And we'll be using, learning the Buddha's map, the 16 instructions for mindfulness of breathing. But in particular, we'll be looking at these instructions as a, in the context of letting go, giving up. So when the Buddha asks us to establish mindfulness to the fore and to be aware of breathing in and the physicality of breathing out, we're choosing to give up distractedness by bringing this more exclusive attention to the physicality of breathing in and breathing out. We're practicing letting go, giving up, a sense of being responsible to other sense experiences that are happening. That it's okay to give up the diversity of our experience and simply be aware of the physicality, the sensations of breathing in, breathing out, and in a creative, persistent way, we challenge ourselves to feel the first moments of breathing in and sustaining that interest to the very last moments of the in-breath, noticing that little gap in the beginning of the out-breath and sustaining interest to the very last moments of that out-breath, and again, the, a little gap before the next in-breath. And simply letting everything else happen in the background. get to practice giving up our habits of mental proliferation, thinking about this and that. Of course, these habits are likely to arise, but we choose to give them up and to simply notice the sensations of breathing in, breathing out with real immediate curiosity being intimate without needing to manage or control the breathing process. Just let it happen naturally, even if it feels awkward, that's okay.
So we're letting go of any interest in anything else except the ordinary experience, the physicality of breathing in and out. And because of the restraint, then we're able to enjoy the pleasure of this simplicity. The mind is secluded from much of our experience. And there's a pleasure that comes with being present with something simple, ordinary, like breathing in and breathing out. Noticing the pleasure of this seclusion, this simplicity. And as we get some simple continuity, the body and the mind will begin to settle more. And that settledness, of course, will change the quality of the breathing. It will become more refined and subtle naturally. So you can notice that as a kind of barometer for the settling. How the breath becomes more subtle So we're experimenting with this exclusive interest in the simple phenomena of breathing in and feeling the sensations, and feeling the, the sensations while breathing out. As the breath becomes more subtle, of course we have to listen more carefully, be more sensitive to notice the sensations of breathing in and out.
So we're using this exclusive attention to the physicality of breathing in and out as a strategy to settle the body and the mind and to attune to the pleasure of seclusion. So we want to experiment with just the right kind of efforting, the right kind of persistence that helps the system settle down and reveals the pleasure of seclusion. And it takes some time to find just that right wholesome kind of efforting, not too tight, not too loose. And there's definitely this element of persistence, not giving up moment by moment. but it's not tight. And whenever it feels appropriate, we begin to wean the attention off of the exclusive object, the sensations of breathing in and out, and begin to recognize the experience of the whole body. So a more inclusive awareness of the whole body as we're breathing in. And this more inclusive awareness of the whole body as we're breathing out. So still aware of breathing in and breathing out. But the real object is whole body awareness. to let go of any sense of control that the exclusive meditation object might have given us as we feel the whole body as we breathe in, opening to the sensations of the whole body as we breathe out, and simply allowing the sensations of the whole body to be the way they are, 
as best we can. Everything else can be in the background, but we're choosing to be interested in the sensations of the whole body. And we're not playing favorites like focusing on the pain in the body. Really be interested in the totality of the sensations as you're breathing in, the totality as you're breathing out, nothing being left out. including all the neutral sensations of the sitting body. Breathing in, experiencing this calm spreading, deepening in the body, breathing out, experiencing the calm in the body. Wherever you first can sense the calm and just notice the sense of spreading, deepening. We're not fixing the body. We're just relating to the sensations with a lot of wisdom, a lot of kindness, letting the body be. And the natural result is a pervasive calm through the body. So we're keeping the calm in mind and we're letting go of any other experiences that might want to come to the forefront, but instead choosing to keep in mind the sense of calm as you breathe in and as you breathe out. So we're letting go, we're giving up any attention to disturbance and instead choosing to attend to the sense of calm in the body. Even if it's faint,
Now with the next instruction, bringing joy to mind, we'll be letting go of any sense of fixedness, even a strong sense of ground. Because as we're breathing in, as we're breathing out, the Buddha is asking us to pay attention to joy, this movement of joy, this flow, this lightness, this absence of things being fixed. So just sense in your experience of the body and the mind here and now, as you're breathing in, just attuning to any sense of flow, a rush of energy, a lightness. And then as you're breathing now, just attuning to the experience of joy. Again, even if it's quite faint, that's okay. It's really more about the interest, learning to be interested in joy as you breathe in, learning to be interested in joy as you breathe out and simply let everything else happen in the background. There absolutely are experiences of joy. Even the relaxation of some muscles, that flow of letting go of the tension is a kind of joy. learning to keep joy in mind as we breathe in and as we breathe out. important to be patient and also confident that there is joy to be noticed. To be willing to be actually curious, interested. And then as things settle a little bit more, We shift from the more 
bright quality of joy to the more settled quality of ease, the ease of the heart, the ease of contentedness. Breathing in, experiencing ease. Breathing out, experiencing the ease of the heart. Kind of inner relaxation of the heart. The heart is unburdening itself, unburdening itself of any need for things to be different than they are right now. That's the happiness of contentment. So just do your best to keep this ease in mind as you breathe in, to keep it in mind as you breathe out. It's important that we realize that we trust that it's okay to feel this really healing quality of inner pleasure, even at the same time the world is really broken in so many ways. Our lives, our families, the wider world, still it's okay to let the heart experience this quality of ease, to take some time and to let the heart be filled with this important medicine of ease. For this time, it's good to be breathing in, opening to ease ease of the heart, breathing out, experiencing the ease of the heart. We do this for our own well-being and we do this as a way of caring for the whole world.
So we're learning how to trust ease with each inhalation, with each exhalation. And we express that trust by keeping it in mind, being interested in feeling what it feels like through the in-breath, through the out-breath. Choose to not be interested in what's in the way of ease, but see the ease that's there in the background, the potential for ease even. Keep that in mind. This is the softening and the opening of the heart, the healing of the heart, and the quieting of the heart, and the remaining activity of the mind and heart, the thinking, the emotions. We just observe whatever activity there is from this place of ease and spaciousness, dispassion, and notice how this non-attachment to the thoughts, notice how it allows things to quiet down more and more. So from the place of ease, we breathe in experiencing any activity Breathe out, experiencing the activity of the mind. And breathing in and out and noticing how it's quieting. How the mind doesn't need to be so dependent, so pushed around by thought. And it's not so much about trying to quiet the mind, the thinking mind, but more just noticing that the mental activity is quieting naturally. And as we begin to breathe in and experience the space of the knowing mind, the space of the present moment, we practice giving up objects of experience. 
And just notice the space of the present moment instead of the activity of the body and the mind. The space of here and now, as we breathe in, as we breathe out. The beautiful, peaceful, quiet space of the here and now. And allowing any sense of I, me, or mine to fall away, to abide here in the space of the moment. It doesn't require any selfing whatsoever. Merging, absorbing into this simple, beautiful, quiet space. Bright and still.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.